We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in to a trade deadline edition, uh, 2022 podcast. This is the BuzzBeat podcast. Please do not forget to rate and review us on Apple and Spotify. Let's jump in. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, well, don't, don't make me. Charlotte, we're back. Trade deadline recap 2022. The Hornets get active this year. I know there was a lot of anticipation for this trade deadline. Certainly uh, the Hornets trying to get out there in the market and acquire a center, which they were able to do. Montrezl Harrell is coming back home, uh, so to speak, <laughs> to, to Charlotte and, and we'll, we'll play for the Hornets. And it's certainly a, it is an upgrade at the center position. We can talk about the positives and the negatives of the deal. First, let's check in. BG, what's going on? Not much, man. Interesting deadline day in the NBA, uh, I would say. Certainly with the uh, the James Harden blockbuster transaction in a couple days ago, the, the Tyrese Halliburton, Domont, uh, Domo Sabonis trade uh, with Indy in Sacramento. And uh, yeah, not surprised to see Charlotte get in here. I think all of us thought this was a very real possibility and it's also interesting too because on the most recent episode we you know we talked about some possible trade candidates we mentioned guys a lot of the guys that Charlotte could have been interested in were players that they had maybe considered signing in 2020 or 2021 and that is uh, that you know Harold fits the bill in that regard as well this is a guy that i think in i guess that was 2020 Charlotte uh kicked the can on as a possible trade candidate but no i'm doing well and uh, nice in the middle of a, of a busy, you know, ACC college hoops week to talk some NBA deadline. Yeah, hey, I'm here, here, president accounted for. Uh, me and Spencer were talking a little bit right before we came on about how uh, this is like one of his kind of favorite favorite days of the year. It, it's right up there with for me too. Like draft day and trade deadline day from an NBA standpoint are just some of the most fascinating topics and uh, events to live through. So Twitter was just absolutely a buzz at like two 30, like 30 minutes before the trade deadline, just, you know, 
couple different things come through. I, I mean, BG, you mentioned a lot of the the main ones. I think the only other semi big one was Porzingis to the Wizards, which is something else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is um, a very interesting yeah, trade. That, yeah. that that one caught me off guard. Yeah, I'll same. be honest with you. That, that I did not didn't see that one coming. Didn't see Porzingis moving. Like now, I guess is would be my thoughts on that. But that 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 one definitely like caught me to pull back a little bit with a whoa, especially because it like one of these things when it, when one of these things involves the Hornets, like I go I get so one track mind minded, and then like that came out like minutes later, and I was like, okay, I can't even like wrap my head around this. I'm trying to like think about Montrezl Harrell and wonder if like the Hornets have you know one more move. Uh, you know, in the tank here before the deadline hits, but uh, yeah, it, fascinating day. I mean, I, yeah, it really, really is seismic day, and um, you know, certainly shakes up the Eastern Conference a little bit. Uh, you know, with with Brooklyn and Philadelphia moving just monster, monster sized people. Yeah, and that was the other thing is like, I mean, this Harold news came through like relatively pretty late. Um, I would say like less than an hour left probably to the deadline when this kind of broke. And so that was my next instinct too. BG was like, is something else coming behind this? And it's probably helpful. I mean, if you're listening to the Buzzbeat pod, you're probably pretty locked into the Hornets, but just in case you're living under a rock, uh, Ish Smith, Vernon Carey, and an undefined, I think, second round pick at this point was the was the asking price that got the deal done. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk about kind of some of those implications, but just wanted to, to lay that out there. And and great point, BG, like another guy that we didn't really touch on specifically, but that was rumored to be kind of a Charlotte free agent talk in summers past. And, you know, Cup Check kind of revisits that and uh, and gets gets Montrez. Yeah, so let's let's go from there and open it up and talk about Montrez. I mean, I you know, this definitely, Lee, I think you were starting to get to this, but this definitely felt like a deal that maybe was on the table for Charlotte. They knew it was there, but they had targets that they they had above Montrez, probably on their wish list. Uh, they, it, I, I'm guessing, um, but I, I'm thinking they probably came back to this. I was surprised. My initial reaction was, well, number one, I think Charlotte won the deal. Number two, I was surprised that the price was this low for Harrell. I did, I yeah. did think that if a contender, you know, was desperate for a center, that this could be an energy guy that maybe could garner you a late first round pick. Um, you know, Ish missed an expiring contract. You know, he's he's had some moments in Charlotte this year, uh, but you know, he's an aging vet. I mean, he, he, you know, I think we can all agree he's only bringing so much to the table, and he's he's going to do that with any team he isn't uh, is on in the league, and then. Vernon Carey has just been squeezed in Charlotte. He's just not a part of the future now that Nick Richards is getting minutes. So the Hornets parted with, I mean, they basically got Montrez Harrell for free. I mean, they, you know, like we we could we can you know haggle over whether Carey still had some some value as a young player or not. But I mean, this is a really solid deal for Charlotte. I do also think, and I'll end on this and throw it to you guys. I do think this is one of those deals that we'll look back on and be like, it seemed it seemed to be significant in the moment for a team that has had for parts of the season, they punched above their weight. I do think we'll look back on this deal and say, eh, it was just a rental that really didn't do that much. And now he's playing somewhere else, but it's a win for Charlotte. I would give Charlotte probably a B plus, maybe an A minus on this deal. And, you know, I think that, uh, I think Washington, I, I don't, I would have just hung on to Harrow. I think like, I don't know what they're, unless they think there's something with Kerry. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree 
you know, with Carrie, I mean, you know, and, and this is something I think we'll talk about a little bit later in the pod, but you know, the, the current center rotation now with this edition and with, and with Carrie out, you know, kind of leaves us Plumley, Harrell, Richards, PJ. And we'll talk about kind of some of those like lineup um, implications too. I agree with you, Spencer. Like, I think we can look at this like pretty clear headed in the moment. I mean, I do think I do think like Hornets Twitter for better or worse received it pretty well. It seems like the overarching kind of vibe was like fairly logical in my opinion. Um, Like, okay, this is essentially a half season rental for a team that is obviously limping into the trade deadline with injuries and a six game losing streak. And while while I completely agree that this really doesn't do much for the Hornets in the long term, I mean, we can talk about whether any of us think that the Hornets will look to re-sign Montrezl Harrell this summer. Uh, maybe you can look at this as a kind of a tryout for both player and team in regards to, to how it fits. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not the perfect puzzle piece in regards to like, rim protection, vertical lob threat. Like that's, I mean, Harold's a fine athlete, but he's not an elite athlete by any means. You know, I, I think what this does is this helps like Montrezl Harrell is a good regular season basketball player. Um, we've seen yes. in, in with his days in LA, we've seen how limited he can be in a playoff series with certain matchups. That's fine. I think like, I think this helps kind of like, gum like put some gum and put a finger in the dam right now for the Hornets who are just hemorrhaging losses and and struggling to be frank um this is an uh, like you said Spencer this is an injection of energy this is a guy who has has hurt the Hornets at times in their matchups because he's just that powerful brute athlete that can finish around the rim that offensive rebounds that plays hard as hell but but it is interesting to me, and I'll throw it to you, BG, here, but it's just it is interesting that like the profile isn't exactly what the Hornets need, but like I do see what Mitch is is doing here. And with the with the low risk of what was sent out, it seems completely fine to me. Yeah, I think the last thing you said there, Lee, and Spencer, you touched on this too, is the most important part of this, which is this that they were able to check a couple of boxes at a position of need. Not they weren't going to get right. everything they wanted, right? That like, you know, I mean, maybe if maybe if they had been aggressive with Rashawn Holmes or Yaka Pertle, I don't know what the asking price was for Holmes. The asking price for Portal, who's a very nice player, was PJ plus Kai Jones no was a first round pick. At least that was what one of their I mean, it's just like yeah, that's just not realistic, right? You know, it's like if that's actually what the deal was, it's like you just you say, look, guys, thanks, but no thanks. We're we're stepping away from that one super quickly. Um, we like Jakob as a player, but like not that's like not a like short that. like San Antonio um, but, really didn't actually want to move Pertle. Like they yeah. do it for an absolute yeah. premium, like a hundred, yeah. you know, dollar fifty on yeah. the dollar, but they never yeah. actually wanted to do it. Good point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think I think the it's the it's the relatively low cost of this. And we'll see how that second round pick yep. shakes out. Obviously, like being minus one in that is not ideal. And I know Ish probably helps swing two or three games for Charlotte. And he's just like a fun guy to have on the team. And I still think there's hope for Carrie, but um, 
we've got, you know, we haven't seen it other than a couple of flashes really in, in Charlotte or Greensboro. And it was so the best part of this was just the low cost, right? It just didn't cost that much to go get a guy at a position of need to, to y'all's points. Like, I don't think he's the sort of like, I mean, I think a lot of people thought Charlotte needed some type of defensive upgrade at center. And I do wonder how Hornets Twitter would have taken this if Miles Turner had been like healthy and had been passed on. You know, I think maybe that would have changed some of the the angst a little bit. But regardless, that's not the situation right now. You know, Miles Turner's injured and, you know, who knows when he'll be back. And anyways, it seemingly pulled him off the the trade block until we'll see. Maybe they revisit it this offseason. But Spencer, you brought this up a couple of weeks ago on the pod, and I want to give, I think I, I tweeted this out, but I think maybe even Div mentioned this on Twitter at some point in the last couple of weeks, and it was seems to be the path that Charlotte went, which is they they could have maybe gone out and gotten like a marginal defensive uh, improvement at center, right? Someone that's a little bit better defensively than Plumlee, has a little bit more bulk and size, and they could maybe still do that with the with the blank roster spot you know like they that possibility exists i suppose but or you could just say no 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 we're gonna the offense which has been backsliding a little bit recently which is a problem we're gonna double down on that we're gonna go out we're gonna we're gonna get an offensive minded center and that's what they did and like (laughs) for whatever it's worth like some of the numbers with harrell are like pretty encouraging i don't think he's like the best fit again because he doesn't like help the defense out there's no real stretch. What's it going to do to the center rotation with PJ? We'll touch on that in a little bit. But I think Charlotte is a team, and we saw this in the Chicago game last night. Charlotte craves the rim. It's what James Rago, every time you hear him, he's always begging LaMelo, give, give me the rim. We need the rim. We want the rim. Well, they just went out and got another pressure point on the rim. And they weren't really getting a ton of that from the center position um, because Plumlee doesn't really shoot that much unless it's like a lob or a reverse dunk and, Look, that's been an issue with PJ. They've got to use Bridges as often as a, a downhill guy, and I think that's working, but it's a lot to put on his plate. Anyways, they just they got a guy that can give you – it can be a screen role partner with LaMelo. He's a smaller center, so yeah, probably not like the like above-the-rim you know, monster catch radius type guy, but a short roll guy that can catch in space and finish, can get on the offensive glass, just gives LaMelo uh, – you know, like this is a – a tight end that you can throw the ball to on third and four, you know, just like a, like a little bit of a security blanket, someone that can eat up minutes for you in the regular season. And I think that's, that's big because not only is this guy a veteran, right? Like he's a proven veteran. This guy's been in a, on a lot of rosters. He's been in a ton of playoff series, like, which is something Spencer has like over and over again, been like, this team is young and needs those type of guys. Absolutely. And I, for whatever it's worth too, I remember this a couple of years ago with maybe that first Clippers team, um, the team that went to the, the, not not the first Clippers team, the like the first Kawhi Paul George team where it was very obvious that like they were leaning on Harrell to be like a, look, Hey, this team is really, really good over the course of a long NBA season. It's tough to sort of like summon up the energy on a night to night basis this guy comes in and he just, it's impossible to not uh, like vibe with him because he plays hard as hell and he, everyone's going to have to, tries to fall in line. Like he just, he become on a sleepy game in the middle of March. He's your energizer charger. You know what I mean? And so I like that. So I think he checks some type of intangible box there as well, but a guy that can help you on the offensive glass and can give you 
um, some some pr- a pressure point on the rim. Like I tweeted this stuff out earlier today, but like Harrell is shooting just under seventy percent this season on slips or rolls to the basket, and now he's going to get a work with Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier. He's shooting seventy percent, or pardon me, yeah, seventy six percent field goal percentage at the rim. And if you go by uh, uh, EPM, the uh, the dunks and threes uh, advanced stat. Plus two, plus two point eight EPM, mostly with the offense driving that this year. So, like at least one of the advanced numbers seems to think that Montrez Harrell was doing something to impact winning um, with the Washington Wizards. So, I know reviews on his defense are mixed. He's certainly smaller for a center. We've seen bigger centers like Nikola, Nikola Jokic just you know turn him into a pretzel over the years. But um, so, you know, if you do get into that that first round matchup with Embiid, I, you know, I'm not really sure he he helps in that regard. But pick and roll threat, low cost, checks a couple of boxes. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's an okay deal. I think Charlotte did pretty well with it. But again, the main thing I come back to are are those things, which are it didn't take that much to get him. You can play PJ with him, which helps a little bit. I know maybe we're a little less psyched on pj at the four minutes but it doesn't have to pj can still get time and that can probably help you out a little bit because you're going to be able to play miles bridges at the three more when gordon hayward's out so that's probably something you're going to have to do and uh just the toughness factor and again the, the pick and roll partnership with Lamelo is something to to monitor and hopefully he can really contribute in that regard yeah well said i mean he's going to help this team offensively <clears throat> he's going to give them something in the middle they just have not had um, and, you know, and Lee, you brought it up. I just think that, you know, his toughness, he's going to inject a sense of pride and energy that this team desperately needs right now. You, you almost wonder, too, just like this six game skid, if Harold became more of a target almost overnight for Charlotte, you know, just just seeing yeah. seeing what, yeah. what's happened to this team. It goes of like his vibe, right? Right, right, right. And, and, and you know, I mean, the cost, too, right? Like, I, I again, I was surprised by that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let, let's transition and talk about 
rotation because I, I think that's what everybody really wants to wants to know now. I, I, to me, I, I mean, I guess it depends on matchup. Like maybe Plumlee gets the start if you're playing the Sixers or if Charlotte finds themselves in a series with Philly uh, or, you know, a matchup with Behemoth Center. But I think Harold – think he has to start I, I mean I guess you, I, I could see this going either way I guess I mean Plumlee could get the ceremonial start you know just because that's what's been happening all year I, I would imagine they're not just gonna like run him out of the rotation it's gonna be Harold Richards at least I wouldn't expect I wouldn't mind that so much but I <laughs> but uh I don't think that's what's gonna happen I, I, I guess I'm a little conflicted here Lee what do you think Harold starts day I mean or so, at least two or three games after arriving in Charlotte or do you think he's coming off the bench so I actually think I'm leaning towards him coming off the bench. A couple reasons. I mean, number one, and, and obviously it was a completely different situation in Washington, so it's not like we're necessarily comparing apples and apples here, but he did only start three games for Washington this year. He has kind of like alluded to in the past that he almost like prefers kind of coming off the bench in certain situations. I Maybe not, maybe not prefer is the right word, but like he's not a player that gets offended by coming off the bench, I guess is the better way to put it. Like he seems to be willing to kind of embrace that come off the bench energy role that he has like found his way into being a very, very real rotational NBA player with. Um, so, and like, Look, I mean, we all have our Plumlee frustrations. Maybe this just means you don't have to see Plumlee 25 to 30 minutes a night and you see him in a much more, uh, frankly, suited role, like 18 to 22 minutes a night. Um, But he still starts because JB obviously has just continually wanted to and always really has started a a traditional center um, with his time in Charlotte. So, so I'm leaning towards Harold coming off the bench. I think where it gets really interesting is like, what is the closing lineup? And, and I think the closing lineup is the one that probably has more flexibility and variability by matchup, which is kind of what you were talking about early, earlier, Spencer. I, I have to imagine we're still going to see a lot of PJ at the five closing, yeah. but we could also see some PJ at the four closing, I think. And like, Look, the PJ at the four numbers are atrocious right now, but they're also like an incredibly small sample size. So I'm not sure how much we can really pull on that. Go ahead, BG. He's he's just also a lot of them have been – we need to see more of it because like the sample is small and they've been – whether, you know, who knows at this point, it's tough to say like how related they are. But it's like a lot of them have come like he's been playing more for the last like two I know. weeks, which is like when this losing streak has been happening. So it's like and I don't think it's like if you were to ask me like what what what's the most what's the biggest reason? What are the like power rank the reasons why the Hornets are losing right now? I don't there's a lot of things I'd touch on before I got to like PJ Washington powered Ford minutes like. He's a very good three-point shooter. Like, so it's like it's you can play he and Harold together. I, I know that's maybe not in some respects ideal, but you can that way you can still play four round one spread pick and roll, right? Like you can still do that. And I'm sure they'll close some games with, you know, LaMelo, Terry Rozier, Bridges, PJ, and, and Harold. That seems like a possible that seems like a possibility. Um, but certainly you could see the that group minus Harold. Plus, you know, an extra wing like Cody Martin or Jalen McDaniels, depending on the matchups. But it gives them just another piece to play. Like they have a little bit 
uh, a little bit more flexibility in the totally. front court, at least. Um, so there's that. And look, like I, I don't foresee this happening, but I suppose the reality could exist where, um, and again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is what will happen, but I, I don't think there's like a non-zero chance of this, which is start PJ at center mm. now, you know, uh, make Harold your backup five. And then all of a sudden Plumlee becomes like your fifth big guy, you know, like maybe he doesn't play every night, you know, like that's a possible, that's a possibility. I don't think they're going to do that because Mason does some stuff for them. And I, you know, this part you're bringing up about a traditional center is with, with James Rago is, uh, is important. But this would be a way to do it. I think you could stagger those, like you start PJ, have him play the first six minutes at center, then sub him out, bring Harrell in. Then a couple minutes later, when you want to sub Bridges out, then put you know PJ in at the four and playing with Harrell. Like there's some things you can do that would make a make a little bit of sense and, and involve those guys all together. So I don't see that happening, at least not right away. But I could see that in the playoffs possibly being the case because then that way Charlotte says look everyone we play during the game you got to guard them like which is something that you don't have to do every single night with Plumlee and um but that that that, that would be one other thing one other and that's something I was thinking about too BG like how many times have we seen teams just completely leave Plumlee alone like at the foul line extended, top of the key. Like, and and look, Harold's not a floor stretcher. So that's that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is like Harold putting the ball on the floor yeah, exactly. and attacking that slagging center. Like, I feel way better about that than oh, I do God. like Plumley stumbling down in the lane and trying to like get to like some type of weird light. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. I'm just envisioning Harold like getting the swing from the top of the key, the defender slagging off and him just putting the ball on the floor, like a ball of fire and going at the rim. And like, he's not, he, I wouldn't call him like an above average passer by any means, but he's like an acceptable passer. Like oh, he, for sure. Yeah. you know, yeah. so I don't know. Those are some thoughts too. Well, I, I think he's, you know, for this handoff action that Charlotte loves to run, like, you know, to what you were getting at Lee, like if he has a runway, he can attack that space and he can, you know, he can make it a positive value situation. If he decides that he's going at a, a big center that he can't get around or thinks he's going to get a shot blocked, boom, just like Plumley would do, he goes into the handoff. And then on the short roll off the handoff, he's much more dangerous, right? Like, it's, so it's that double action yes. that I think is really going to juice Charlotte's offense. And, and the other thing that I think about just like schematically that, I, that I'm really interested to see you know, Charlotte's league average in offensive rebounding this year, which has surprised me a little bit. Um, this should take them close to the top 10. I mean, you know, we'll see if this actually changes the entire way they think about getting to the offensive glass in terms of bodies that they send there, or if Harold can just really make them a threat in that area. But I'm, I'm interested to, to watch that as well. Yeah. Again, I do think all of this stuff helps – like for the rest of the season, but also in this like in this sort of like weird interim state where unfortunately, like we just don't know how long Gordon Hayward's gonna be out, right? And that's really scary to like yeah, it's kind of easy to forget. That's like pretty big news, even though this is like, you know, yeah. It it just it was it got stuck in the middle of the losing streak, even though it's certainly like one of the reasons why the losing streak is happening. And it was you know, it happens right before the deadline, just like it 
it got sandwiched in a bunch of other stuff. But it's like, look, I'll be honest with you. It's kind of hard for me to fathom this team without Gordon Hayward. Like in like when I try to go to those spaces, it's like scary thoughts a little bit. You know, it's like not not a fun space to like be involved in. My guess would be you gotta just like, I mean, God dang, it's hard to think. It's hard to imagine them asking more from Bridges, but I think you got almost got to come to him and say, "Buddy, we need we need more on the ball stuff." You know, it's like we 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 need you to be the guy that, especially when Lamelo's out, like we're, we we got to just try it. You know, <laughs> like just see what's there. But I think you got to get him on the basketball more. Bridges will have to run more pick and roll, post up more. Um, and so you know, if he's spending a little bit more time playing with PJ as the de facto four, you know, that's one way to sort of like trigger some of those looks a little bit. Not like you need that necessarily, but that is, that is sort of like one way to, one way to get it done. Um, So I'll be fascinated to see how much like you get of the Harold bridges, Washington Mm. together. And I'll just be curious to see like how the role with bridges may possibly doesn't change minus Hayward for you know who knows how long I mean that injury sucked man what a what a crappy like he just he Gordon has so much bad luck with injuries like it is just like I mean he just gets you know caught underneath someone um sucks but uh anyways I'll I'll start rambling here but I I do think like you're gonna need more from Bridges playing on the basketball just to sort of like help you know keep the offense afloat and um and so anyways, I like, you know, Harold as a guy that can then help move bridges to the wing and be a pick yeah. and roll partner. Like maybe that helps loosen some things along the margins. Well, too. number one, let's monitor how much we see of Harold and PJ at the four or five and yep. then how that works, because I think that is a, a very under it's just it's an underlying storyline um, to where this team can get to for the rest of this year. All right. Well, let's talk about other minute uh, minutes allocation. Maybe this is. What downstream I'm, effects. Downstream of <laughs> everything flows downhill. Yeah. Uh, not just not just the four letter word. So, book night. Is he just going to step in and play these ish minutes? Are we going to see way more Rozier at backup too? The Hornets also have an open roster spot that I would Im- imagine that they fill. Are they a buyout? You know, market kind of team here. Um, you know, I I think that. I tweeted this earlier today. So obviously this trade was two for one. Hornets sent out two, two players. They get back one. Now they have an open roster spot. Um, I don't think any of us on this podcast are like psyched about the <laughs> Rosier uh, running the point minutes. The numbers have been yeah. okay in stretches depending on the lineup. But for the most part, they've what, what we've probably would have come to expect. I think the Hornets probably need another guy that can dribble. And and run and run the show off the bench, and that's something yeah. that you can say what you want about Ish Smith, and he has as noticeable deficiencies as any player in the league because of his size and his height. Um, but that guy could come in and change the pace of a game, and he could dribble the basketball, and he could get it into the paint, he could get it to the rim. How many times did Ish Smith change the outcome, change the energy, just completely change yeah. a game for this team this year? And that's something on a night when it's not going well. Who is that change of pace person going to be? I'll be honest. I don't think Booknight's ready to be that guy. And I don't expect him to be ready to be that guy. So I do think that Charlotte should – I think they should look and see what they can get, whether in the buyout market or just maybe just calling someone up from Greensboro. I don't know. I'll offer a couple of thoughts, and then I'll pass it to BG because I think BG wants to hit on the book stuff a little bit here. 
But what I'll say is you're right, Spencer. Like, look, and like you said, say what you want to say, but like it was a card that Borrego had to play. Like the Ish Smith card was real. Like you think about the Brooklyn game, you think about the Denver game. Like those are two that stick out firmly, I think, in any Hornets fan's mind this year of like Lakers Lakers game. That's right. Like games that Ish Smith changed. Now, there are just as many examples of games where JB played the Ish Smith card and it, it it was a massive negative. Like that happened too quite a few times. But it is just like yeah. what like it, it's almost like, you know, last year when and it's very it's it's a very different situation, but it's it's a it's a tool in the tool deck. Like like the Malik Monk card was a thing for a while where he would just kind of randomly come into a game and just completely change the flow of it with an offensive explosion. So like it does limit kind of like vibe changing options that Borrego has. Obviously, Harold offers his own version of some of that. But um, the other thing I was going to say is like the Rozier minutes at point, it's still a fairly small sample size. It's not like a PG at the four small sample size. It's like orders of magnitude bigger than that. Right now, the numbers are decent with with Rozier at at the point, but those numbers do fluctuate pretty volatilely because it's still a small sample size. So I don't know how much we can pull away from that. I don't know how comfortable this coaching staff should be leaning only on Terry Rozier as kind of your backup, you know, secondary playmaking guard to Lamelo Ball. We know. We know now and have for a while that Rozier exists as his best self as like an off-ball shot hunter. And um, if he's on the ball, he can't do that. So the last thing that I was going to mention is essentially that like it kind of reminds me of last year when for different reasons. Last year it was because of injuries, but it felt like the Hornets had to go get an emergency point guard and they did it with Brad Wanamaker. Um, maybe they do something similar to that. There's a couple names out. I mean, like Corey Joseph is a guy that's probably going to be a buyout guy. Um, I think I saw maybe DJ Augustine <laughs> returning to Charlotte, throwing around. So yeah. You can go get a veteran guy, an emergency kind of, you know, backup Wanamaker type. But yeah, I mean, it's the guard depth is a little shaky here. And I mean, Lord knows we need Cody Martin back um, as soon as we can get him too. Yeah, that's the tough thing. Is like I'd have to ch- pull up some of the numbers on Rozier at point guard lineups because I'd like to know how many of those minutes, like Gordon Hayward, sure. was a part of as like an auxiliary ball handler. Uh, the Hornets run a fair amount of pick and roll with Gordon. Um, a lot of I would venture that a lot of the time Hayward was out there with him. Yeah, right. Those, those like those like hybrid bench starter lineups uh, when Lamelo's out and you're using Terry and and Gordon to play make again. Like you know they're going to need Bridges to try to make some type of a leap here. It's interesting too. Like perception is so the way perception shapes all of this is so interesting. This is kind of what I wanted to get into. Like I, like James Booknight, in my opinion, even though I've really liked some of the flashes that he's shown this year. Um, you know, he's not ready to be like a like a like a, a guy that can come in and be even I think even like a caretaker of a of a second unit offense. I like him more as like a a secondary guy. I, I still maintain that like and, and hopefully I'm wrong about this, but I still maintain that like I thought the best usage of James Booknight coming out of UConn was like 
you use them like rosier, right? Where you use them off pin downs and flares and you just, you treat them as like a movement piece. Um, I thought that would have been like an, uh, an interesting usage of, of James book night. We haven't really seen much of that. Uh, Charlotte certainly has like given him playmaking reps before. And if you go back to summer league last, last August, I don't think book night has like the, the, the point guard chops or the handle to do it. I think it's great though, that he's going to get these reps. And so here's like the split that I come down to. It's like Charlotte's chasing a playoffs playoff spot, right? Like they're, they're, they're trying very hard to make the playoffs for the first time in six years, something they really want to do. We want to see them make the playoffs, obviously. But it's like, I would be kind of excited if Charlotte were just like, if Charlotte had gone into the deadline and they had decided to be sellers, right? And they had traded off, they picked up some draft pieces. And then all of a sudden they were saying, you know what? These last 25 games, like we're going to get James Booknight consistent minutes every night and we're going to get him on the basketball. Something we didn't do with Malik Monk early on. We're, we're going to do it now though with James Booknight. And um, I would be like, great, this is great development time. But it's like every they have to win every night. You know what I mean? It's like they've got to they, every game. They have got to win. They just, especially now that they just like kind of crapped the bed the last week here against some pretty important like Eastern Conference opponents. So you know, I'm like I'm excited, but um, um, it the excitement is like very tepid with like with Book Night playing on the basketball more. Again, I I would be thrilled to be to be shocked and to prove it be proven wrong. Um, I, I just don't quite kind of see it, but who knows? I think we talked, when we talked about book night most recently on another episode, we described him playing a little tentatively, right? And, and being like a little hesitant and a little sticky with the basketball. And maybe if he knows like, Hey, I got 20 minutes a night. And for some percentage of those, I'm going to be playing on the basketball a lot, depending on how Charlotte's, doing their lineups and staggering things or whatever, like maybe that all of a sudden, maybe that's the thing that he needs, right? To all of a sudden say like, oh, okay, like I, I, I feel good about where I'm at and I know the team's counting on me. And I think that matters a lot, like knowing that you're being relied upon. It's just, you know, how much can you uh, actually be successful in those minutes? I don't know. I, it seems like they're going to have to bring someone in. I mean, they, they need another person that can like, I don't know, organize an offense, dribble around a pick and roll without turning the ball over. Like they need something along those lines. I did see some, some of Hornets Twitter sort of like maybe wondering if the, if New York would try a, like a multi-year buyout with Kemba. <laughs> and if, uh, if I mean, I don't see this happening. It would awesome, be though, interesting. Just in, I mean, it would be, it would be, I mean, yeah, I would love it. It would be weird. Like for Kemba to be back like three years later and to be like LaMelo's backup. But, Rozier Kemba um, backcourt configurations. <laughs> that would, oh my god! Oh man, it would be wild. Like, I, it's it's nuts because I guess I guess uh, you know Bridges is the only one left from the last time Kemba was on the the roster, which is like hard I guess to Cody believe, made but, it have a little bit of overlap, but no, I don't think no. Uh, yeah, Cody yeah, Martin, Martin he was drafted in 2019, yeah. but yeah. Wait, yeah. Cody Martin? No, they didn't. They oh, didn't they overlap didn't. together. I'm thinking they did. No, Cody Martin was drafted in 2019. Same uh, draft right. as PJ, which is the summer that you know. It's like a week later, Kemba's Kemba's getting shipped to Boston. So they're ships. Yeah, crossing and that's the year DG emerged um, and and all that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, anyways, I uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I wish I could get more excited about Book Night getting more reps on the basketball, but 
with Charlotte like trying to get out, trying to make the playoffs and not, you know, get a good play in seating or whatever, play in tournament seating or whatever, like I don't know. It uh it leaves them a little a little exposed here to say yeah, the least. I, I would just be like with the roster as it's currently constructed, I would be surprised to book nights on the floor without Cody Martin, a healthy Cody Martin, um, or Lamella. I, I just I mean, and Borrego showed us nothing other than he's not ready to to test out book night uh, yet either. All right, yeah. So let's let's talk about some buyout names, some candidates. I'll start us. My favorite one, and and I think like if you're gonna add about a buyout guy in your approaching playoff time, you don't really need a guy like Ishmith, like a change of pace guy. That's great in the regular season. In the playoffs, I think that has way less value. So you need somebody that can be on the floor, guard a few positions, play a few different positions um, on offense. Well, I think Tomas Sadaransky, if he gets bought out, I think he's a guy that kind of fits that mold. Like <clears throat> you can certainly play him at point guard, but also think he can play with Lamelo. He can play with Booknight. He can play with Cody Martin. Like he kind of fits this uh, not positionless, but just versatile wing backcourt kind of role that that Borrego has has shown that he has an affinity for. And I was looking at his stats earlier. Like he's basically a career thirty six percent three-point shooter and he's five of 31 this year just like out of nowhere he's just been awful so super low sample size I don't know what you make of that um, but he's a guy that I think like just just kind of fits he, you, you could you could play him in a few different positions in Charlotte um, you know Dennis Schroeder I think is a popular name I'm not as fired up about that one and I think he probably ends up on a contender um, Eric Bledsoe is the other one just you know tough uh, certainly could play the point not a great shooter, but can attack too. Like, so I think Bledsoe and Sadoransky to me are like my two favorite, and also like viable, realistic shots for Charlotte. Right. I I love both of those options actually. Like as much as you can like a you know a, a veteran buyout. Yeah, candidate, exciting right? stuff. You know, yeah. Like, but I just <laughs> I haven't yeah thrilling. I I haven't seen Sado play much. I want to say the last like season or two. But when I think back to seeing him a couple years ago on the Bulls, like Kobe White's rookie year in 1920, I just I think of him as like he was the one good decision maker the Bulls had in the backcourt. And so I kind of like that about him with his size. Again, playable, you know, perhaps uh, in, on a postseason roster. And then just Bledsoe would give you point of attack defense, right? Like, which just, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he's not the same force physically that he was a couple of years ago. How could he be? Um, when he was like an all NBA caliber, like on ball defender for the Bucks, but um, that would be kind of a nice thing to have, right? Like this, this team is so desperate for any source of point of attack defense that, yeah, I, I could see him having some value. I'm sure, um, you know, similar to to Schroeder, like if Bledsoe gets bought out, my guess would be because just like he's a name guy and. I could see some contenders being interested in him, but you know, Charlotte could get in the door with that. That would be awesome. Um, Charlotte's got a couple Kentucky guys on their roster, so maybe they can try to lean on the the, the big Blue Nation <laughs> family there. But uh, if it came down to it, but uh, but yeah, I would be like both of those guys would be again has like <laughs> knowing that these are guys that probably aren't going to like move the needle all that much in any direction. I think those guys would be like a nice uh, if you could get them in a buyout setting, they would be nice ways to to round out the roster and, and really Bledsoe's point of attack defense would be I think something Charlotte could actually put to use uh, instead of just like having a you know a, 
someone eat up backup point guard minutes. Yeah, those are those were some of the same names I had. Um, no, I don't think any additional names to add. It, it will be interesting to see like where do the Hornets fit in on this? Like to your point, BG, like can can we get our foot in the door of some of these uh, higher class buyout guys? Maybe, maybe not. Like are the, you know, are the Lakers uh, of the world going to snatch up, you know, any of those type of, of, of players on the open market or obviously the Lakers didn't make any moves today, which um, is that's interesting. the plan. That's the plan for them. I can guarantee you that. Cause they got no other options now. <laughs> yeah, that's all they got. Yeah, that's <laughs> all they got. <laughs> It was so funny to see. I think it was Bill Oram. It was one of the Lakers beat guys today tweeted out some like tweet being like, you know, the Lakers, they're not going to make any moves. Uh, the front office tried. Nothing was there. And the last line was, this is their team. And I was like, oh, man. It's the line, it's the line from you know, Hoosiers. Like, this is your team. <laughs> LeBron your tweeted team. that. It's just My like, buddy texted me today after he was like, I can't believe the Lakers didn't do anything. I was like, well, they really couldn't. He was like, well, what do they do with Westbrook now? I was like, yeah. honestly, I think LeBron might just like tie a center block around his ankle and throw him into the ocean. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. It's it, it just <laughs> – like, I don't know. Like just – they, I just would like they ultimately like this roster. They just like they LeBroned too hard. Yeah. this roster. If I could like 100%. turn his yeah. name into, uh, you know, like a verb here, like they just LeBroned way too hard with it. And um, look, you know, maybe LeBron will kick it up a notch, and you know, getting a healthy AD back will help, and blah blah blah. And like, you know, to an extent, I think Russ has like done some things that are like, you know, when he's not like punting the ball into the twelfth row. He like and he's just driving. I mean, he played pretty well against Charlotte the other the other week. Even though, like, even though, man, even like good Russ games are just like so weird. It's just like it's just his, all last season was when he was at the when he was at the Wizards. It was just like I don't know how to like contextualize any of this. Like what you like him having you know like shooting three of eighteen, but having a triple double. And getting to the rim like twenty five times, it's like some of that is good, some of that is useful, some of this is also like really bad. And I just like I just have no like there's just there's no way to like yeah really like place it, wrap your yeah. mind around it. But he he can still get to the rim. That's the that's like that's the one, it's the one thing and like that's still valuable. Like as long and like you know when he loses like another half step, then it will be yep. over over. But yeah, but right now we're still in this like weird limbo state um, where he has this one useful skill, but everything else is like pretty bad. Um, so, um, anyways, anyways, I'm just like, you know, if, if if a bio candidate wants to go be a part of that, I get it. But like, man, why not try something new? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, too, I agree. Like, why not? Why something not try fresh, something new? Yeah. You know. Um, so I think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to from the Hornets. Any we got like probably less than five minutes. I got to run here shortly. But any closing trade deadline thoughts, Lee? You know, league wide, what what caught your eye? No, no, nothing too crazy league wide. I think in terms of wrapping up on the Hornets, like I think what I would say is in our last pod where we talked about potential options. You know, there there were some kind of higher profile options that we bantied around, but at the end of the day, we all kind of settled on what can the Hornets do with the margins that doesn't cost us PJ Washington. And this may have not been like option A plus, but but I think it was just about as good as they could have done without moving somebody integral to the core. I did start like the last two days. 
and I won't go down like this rabbit hole very long, but BG mentioned it earlier and I just wanted to touch on it. Like I did start to think like counterintuitively, like what if the Hornets do just throw us a curveball here and become a seller, like right at the deadline be, you know, like that definitely entered my mind and I thought about it and, and could have seen the, the rationale for it. Uh, but I think now with hindsight, I'm kind of glad they did what they did. They improved at the margins as best they could without moving any of the quote unquote core. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is shout out to our listeners because they're awesome, number one. But also they gave us a ton of questions on Twitter. And basically we just tried to like form our talking points around all the questions. So uh, shout out to everybody who put some of those in. It, it pretty much informed the way we kind of uh, broke this episode down. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, well said. Yeah, we, we, we got so many questions that we couldn't run down all of them. So just try to throw them all in. I wanted to jump in real quick and just kind of echo what you were saying. I, you know, I, I was tweeting it out last few days that just the six game losing streak felt like it came at a time that might have been, you know, almost a silver lining about where this team really is. And I wondered, like, all right, well, if there's that much interest in PJ Washington on the market, you know, you, you read this Miami stuff, and then obviously he's linked to San Antonio, and you know, I think there was some Brooklyn buzz. Um, well, let's let, let's start a bidding war. Let's just see, right, what we can get. Like, if you can extract yeah. a, a decent first round pick and maybe even like a an experimental kind of player, then okay. And then this morning, and I think I, I pissed off a lot of Hornets Twitter, but I thought, okay, well, how can we? What about Rozier? Like, I can tell you who would love to have a guy like yeah. Terry Rozier right now, and it's the L.A. Lakers. And if they'll throw his two unprotected first-round yeah. picks down the road and then give us that uh, trash can, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, Cedric Nunn <laughs> duo to just make the salaries match, I was like, you know what? I yeah. would probably do that. Like, I, I, I mean – They have to be unprotected. Yeah. It would have been anyways. interesting to see – It would have been interesting to have seen, like, if all things could have been equal, like what this deadline would have looked like if you hadn't extended Rozier, you know what I mean? Cause I think absolutely he, he gets, you know, not maybe not absolutely, yeah. but very good chance he gets moved. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, it's, I guess it's maybe a little weird trading guys on the first year of an, of an extension or, or whatever the Miami, the PJ stuff just made like no sense. Like that. I texted you guys about this. Like I, I just could, I was like, why, why would the Hornets do this? Like, I don't know. There were just Heat fans being like, we would love PJ Washington. I, on this I would be I able like, to take that. I would love a crisp $100 <laughs> bill in my wallet yeah. too. Like, like it was just like, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, it would be awesome to just like trade very little to get a very good play, young player. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds roster. fun. Like, yeah. That, yeah. I, I would love <laughs> to do that too. That would be awesome. Um, I just, that made just no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but but I know I mean I know the the, the guy the, the the guy that was reporting it is, is someone who is plugged in with the Heat organization or whatever. But that just that surprised me because it was like it was just like why would Charlotte do like here Eastern Conference opponent like yes take our take our take our good stretch five that uh, is again has you know a year and a half left on a rookie deal and yeah yeah we're really thrilled about this this package that's built around. Some like decent, some like blah picks in Omir Yurt Seven. Yeah, thank you, thanks for that. This is really what we wanted to get in return here. So, um, anyways, I know we gotta, I know we gotta wrap, but um, I think I said my piece with Harold. I think ultimately, I like the energy aspect of his game. I like the pressure point that he can, another pressure point that he can give Charlotte. I think that's important for them. I think even in the most recent game against Chicago, you saw the, the inability for them to get downhill 
caused them some issues offensively in the half court in that game. And uh, and then most importantly, it's just like it didn't cost that much for them to do it. Um, you know, I mean, again, I, I don't love seeing a second round pick burned, but um, look, Mitch Kupchak, like it, hate it, or indifferent to it. You know, he's taking a Spencer. You've talked about this, but just more of a conservative, sort of like measured approach with the roster. I still think they get caught trying to wear two shoes at the same time. You know, which why is why it would it was fascinating to think about them being sellers at the deadline. You know, like that possibility because I think they try to do the thing where they're gunning for the playoffs, but they're keeping an eye on the future, and that can be hard to do. But um, I think this was a way for them to, you know, m- you know, maybe maybe hit a single or at least get on base. It just didn't cost that much, and it checks a couple of boxes. And um, if it doesn't, if it goes poorly, then it's yeah. fine. I mean, you lost a second round pick, but there's going to be other ways to recoup those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can find another way to get totally. one of those back. Great point. It's a good way to take us out. I think that it is important to realize that, you know, I mean, these going back six games here, you know, when the Hornets started this home stretch, it's that you could look at the schedule and you could say, this is it. These next 10 to 11 games, all these home games against really good Eastern Conference teams, it's going to make or break their season. If they went four and two in the last six instead of zero and six, they probably do pay an extra price for Jakob Pearl today, right? Like this league is that fluid; things change that that quickly. But yeah. I I agree with both of you. I think that the Hornets won this trade. Job well done by Mitch, considering the chips that he had to play. All right, well, good job, boys. That was fun. Four BG. That's LB. I'm SP. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.